Hi, my name is Ben Armstrong. Hi, this is David Koch. My name is Thomas Maurer. Hi, I'm Donna Sarkar. Hi, my name is Lana Montgomery. Hi, I'm Seth Juarez. Hi, I'm Aaron Thomas. I'm Jess Dodson. Hi, I'm Rocky Heckman. Hi, I'm Sonia Cup. Hi, I'm Troy Hunt. Hello, this is Wally Mee. My name is Reed Purvis. Hi, I'm Lars Clean. Hi, my name is Alan Birchall. Hi, I'm Adam Fowler. Hi, I'm Scott Guthrie, and you're listening to the Need to Know Podcast. All the latest Microsoft Cloud news, as well as industry guest deep dive conversations. It's a Need to Know Podcast. All thanks to the CIA Ops patron community. The Need to Know Podcast. Catch us on Twitter and Facebook, N2K Podcast, and online at ciaops.podbean.com. Hello and welcome to the Need to Know Podcast. My name is Robert Crane and you join me for episode 301 and we are in May 2023. So as always, if you do have any feedback, comments, thoughts that you want to share with me, please email me at director at ciaops.com don't forget my youtube channel is at director cia along with my twitter same handle there at director cia also on mastodon so twit.social forward slash at director cia i'd also encourage people to join my shared channel no cost for that that is something that would allow you to see updates and information that i do post there so you can join that freely Put a link to that uh, in the show notes or go and search my blog for join my shared channel um, i've got a merch store some cool t-shirts there if you want to uh, join those up and make a statement at the next conference and you can also become a cia ops patron at ciaopspatron.com very big thanks to all those people who do support me via that mechanism to allow these sort of free content to be created So as always, there has been a fair amount of stuff happening in the Microsoft world. So let's do some news and updates. So the first one here that I thought that was worthwhile is the new Windows 365 Frontline uh, license. Now, the interesting thing about the Frontline license is it's going to allow multiple people to access the same VM. So uh, Windows 365 Business is typically one user, one license. Uh, whereas this new Frontline, I think, allows up to uh, three people to uh, access the same VM during the day. So if you do need to share resources between multiple people in an organisation, the virtual resources, uh, then I would certainly go in and have a look. And I think the pricing uh, does reflect that. So a great option, I think, in SMB for those people who don't need a VM uh, or a Windows 365 machine at all times. So again, go and have a look at that. All the links to these articles will be in the show notes for you to go and have a look at. So that's Windows 365 Frontline is now available in public preview. Now, OneNote is the latest product to start including uh, Copilot. Now we haven't seen Microsoft's Copilot, which is effectively their chat GPT client, uh, merged into their products in Microsoft 365. So this article here, OneNote, your digital notebook reimagined with Copilot, gives you a feeling for what Copilot will start to look like inside uh, OneNote. So I think this is going to be pretty handy, especially the ability to query all the information in there. Perhaps think of it like a way to do more advanced search, to give you summaries, to help you get started from a list of notes. So at this stage, we expect Bill to be towards the end of May, and I would expect some notification around the availability of Copilot in uh, preview. My guess would be at this stage probably 
um, you know, June, July sort of time frame before we start seeing at least come out in public preview. Could be wrong, but that's the sort of time frame I would suggest given that Microsoft is charging ahead at full speed with Copilot. So if you want to see what OneNote looks like with Copilot, again, this article, which will be in the show notes, is a worthwhile read for you. Now, as always, security takes top of mind. Here's a good article called Quick Wins to Strengthen Your Azure AD Security. And if you are doing security already, these should be uh, pretty much obvious to you or hopefully already doing them, but always good to go and revisit these. If you're looking for ways to improve your Azure AD security, great checklist here around how to do the basics. So, you know, things like multi-factor authentication, zero trust. Um, you've also got the ability to determine SSO applications, uh, enable, uh, enable identity governance and so on. So there's a good list here of, what have we got? About 11 items here that are worthwhile working through and providing you know additional security on your Azure AD, make sure that you do have it uh, locked down. So again, go in and have a look at that if you want to make your Azure AD more secure. Now, I do like this article here about automating and streamlining vulnerability management with your clients. One of the big benefits of most Defender products is the ability to get uh, threat and vulnerability management. Uh, that is generally integrated behind the scenes, really, really handy to let you know the latest threat any machine that is subject to or exposed to that threat. So again, go in, have a look at this. I'll give you some idea of what's happening uh, behind the scenes, but don't forget, anytime you have a Defender product, uh, you're going to get this vulnerability analysis and the ability potentially to manage that, keep on top and report of it. So I'd certainly recommend having a look at this and making sure that you are aware of those additional functionalities you are getting when you have, uh, especially Defender for Endpoint. Now, Microsoft has or is now rolling out PhoneLink for iOS on Windows 11. So you'll need to be Windows 11 to get this. This allows you to basically link your iOS device into your Windows device. Now, the advantage of that is, is that you're going to be able to see you know, notifications. You're going to be able to potentially send uh, messages and have a lot more control over your phone directly from your PC. So most people spend a lot of time, obviously, at their desk with their phone connected to their device. I think this is going to provide uh, additional management. Now we've been able to do this with Android devices for a while, but the ability now to start integrating with iOS, I think is a, is a really big bonus, uh, picks up sort of the other half, I suppose, of the, the mobile population. So if you are a iOS user, again, recommend you go and have a look at this article. You should see that phone link rolling out for iOS uh, very shortly. Now, one of the struggles that many people have and I would suggest that even I struggle with this is the sheer number of URLs you've got to go to when using the Microsoft Cloud. So, you know, we've got Endpoint Manager, we've got uh, Cloud App Security, we've got, you know, uh, all sorts of portals here. Um, very, very cumbersome. They've come from, you know, different teams at Microsoft, different URL naming conventions. So, what Microsoft has announced with this uh, blog post here, introducing cloud.microsoft, is a unified domain. So the concept is, is they'll be moving to an environment, whereas if you want to go to SharePoint, it'll be sharepoint.cloud.microsoft. If you want to go to you know, Office, it'll be office.cloud.microsoft or onedrive.cloud.microsoft. So 
you can start using uh, this today. You expect this to be rolling out to all the portals over time. Now, remember, the old portal URLs will still continue to work, but I think this cloud.microsoft is going to uh, make things you know, far more consistent, far easier for most people to navigate without having to remember the difference between Defender for Cloud Apps and Defender for Endpoint, for example. So, again, going forward, we're going to be able to go to the service dot cloud.microsoft so again have a look at the article see what is in there and again maybe start changing over those shortcut links to make it a bit easier for your navigation now an announcement from microsoft around sentinel is the ability to manage multiple sentinel workspace using this new feature called workspace manager so what you can basically do is you need to obviously be managing multiple uh, Sentinel environments. You need to set up a parent-child relationship, so one parent, multiple children, uh, and you set up the parent the way that you want it with connectors and analytics and workbooks. And then you would use something like Azure Lighthouse to connect all those tenants into the parent tenant, and that's been around for quite a while to be able to do that multi-tenant access. But you can then go in and provision this workspace manager inside Sentinel, and that's going to allow you to take a lot of the settings, a lot of the configurations from the parent and push them out to each individual child um, environment. Now, the good thing about the workspace manager is you can also create groups. So let's say that you've got um, you know, a certain group of customers. You can create multiple groups within that, and you can push out uh, the configuration to those. Now, I've had a bit of a play with this and there are some limitations. I don't, it hasn't got the granularity yet to be able to pick, you know, I want all of these, but not this sort of thing. It seems to be an all or nothing approach. And also it seems to me at the moment that if you get one failure for whatever reason, then the whole process does tend to um, struggle. So uh, something to keep your eye on. I'd go in and configure it, have a look at it, play around with it, maybe set it up with some of the environments that you have. My experience in SMB has generally been you need to set up each individual Sentinel um, uniquely. There are some consistencies and similarities across it. We can manipulate it with PowerShell, and that's typically the way I've been doing it. But um, this way is going to allow you to do it through the console. And I suppose once you've got a standard setting, you could then push that out to all your uh, individual child Sentinel environments. So go and have a look at this, this new workspace manager that is now part of uh, Sentinel. Now, probably the most uh, important one that has been released recently is the Windows Lapse Management through Intune. So the Local Administrator Policy Service uh, or Windows Local Administra Admin Password Solution, Lapse, um, is where you can go in and set the administrator password for the local machine and then have that rotate on a regular uh, basis. So the challenge with uh, devices is they always have an admin user and that admin user if you rename it can be easily identified uh, by its SID and that has a password associated with it now good practice is to obviously disable that but importantly you can't delete that admin account it always has to be there so that admin account is always sitting in the background even if it is even if it is disabled now, in most cases, that admin account is not well secured, doesn't have a good password, doesn't have MFA, and can potentially be a vector for attack. So to help 
try and minimize that you can use laps and the idea is is once you enable this it will rotate the password of that administrator on a regular basis and save it to a location that you can recover and use if you ever need the local administrator on the device now the real big benefit here is once we integrate this with Intune we can push that this uh, lapse rotation out to all our devices simply by uh, policy we do that in endpoint security under account protection and then you can set a number of different settings but I think the most important thing is you can set it to back up the password changes to Azure AD so it's a bit like the BitLocker option where you can back up your BitLocker keys into uh, Azure AD in case you do need those BitLocker keys you can do the same here with the password for the local administrator so certainly recommended I've implemented it and uh, very very straightforward simple policy go and set it up it then runs runs in the background and you never really have to worry about any of the settings once it's been set up so again really really easy now to recover a password or viewer password you can just go into the device in Intune click on the device and you'll find an option called local administrator password in the list of options on the left hand side and you'll be able to view the password so again really really handy solution recommend it as a advanced or improved way to secure that local admin account which remember unfortunately we can't delete so make sure the link is in the show notes for you to go and have a look to set up very very straightforward uh, but remember now we've got the lapse capability integrated with uh, Intune now if you are doing any Microsoft certifications I certainly recommend those and do those regularly myself uh, Microsoft has now provided a number of practice assessments free exams if you want I'll put a link in the show notes here to the list of all of the ones that are available there's about 20 here uh, at the moment that you can get access to typically they're the 900s and the 100s exams but you know there's an AZ305 here an AZ400 so uh, the link will be there for you to go in and have a look at those remember certainly recommend that everybody be doing the MS900 the SC900 and then a lot of the other 900 exams along the way and then you can graduate to doing the 100s around administration and so on if you so choose but really recommend that you have a look at doing this and Microsoft now provides these free uh, assessments for you as well to evaluate where you are in your learning now Probably the last thing to call out here is a new profanity filter for uh, Teams, so captions in Teams if you want. Uh, you can understand why this is sort of put in, especially, you know, uh, the desire to have everything, I suppose, controlled in a corporate environment. But if you are interested, you can go and have a look at this profanity filtering. I'll put the link again in the show notes. You can turn it on. It's basically just a simple um on off uh, button here that is able to uh, be set for your environment. Now with all that said, what I thought I would talk about or focus on is something called compliance policies. Now the compliance policies will basically evaluate your devices and they will determine whether they had the latest version of software, whether there are any vulnerabilities and so on. Now from there you can make judgments, you can set policies and rules as to how those devices connect to your corporate data. So this is the real value of compliance policies allow you to evaluate your machines. Now to achieve that, firstly, we're going to need to have machines that are joined to Azure AD. So the first step is to join all your devices to Azure AD. Now, of course, to get the benefit of compliance policies, you're going to need a license of Intune. So each user is going to need to have a license of Intune. Now we get this with 
something like Microsoft 365 Business Premium. So once they join Azure AD, they are going to appear those devices in a list of devices when it comes to Intune. So we can go in, have a look at all our Windows devices. Uh, for example, it's going to show us a list of all the devices uh, that we have in our environment. Now this is really handy, it ticks off a lot of compliance options because one of the things on most compliance like CISA Essential 8 is to have a documented list of all the devices in your environment. So we join to Azure AD, they then appear in Intune. We need an Intune license for each user. Now, once we've done that, uh, we can apply a compliance policy. Now, like I said, the idea here is out of the box Intune does have a number of default um, compliance policies which we'll have a look at shortly but the best practice is to go in and select the option for compliance policies create a new compliance policy now you can select a platform for that all right and then we go in and create that and we give our compliance policy uh, a name now my advice is always to think about and plan for the naming conventions um, prior to diving in I've seen so many installations where you've got test, you know, temp, test, um, compliance. makes it very hard to work out what's going on. So again, come up with a naming convention for your policies prior to diving into this. Now, once we've given it a name, you'll see here, depending on the operating system, we can firstly go in and set some custom compliance. Now, what used to happen is, is there only used to be a limited set of options in compliance policies, but now today, uh, we can actually go in and customize this with uh, basically a discovery script to achieve that. So you can do your own customer, custom compliance if you want. But typically what we want to have a look at is the device health. So at the moment I'm looking at a Windows compliance policy. I can require and enforce a BitLocker. I can require code integrity. I can require um, secure boot. If I scroll down a bit and open the Opera, the device op properties here, you'll see that I can set a minimum operating system. So again, the idea is, is once this, once I define my settings here of what I consider to be compliant, this policy will be then evaluated across all my devices. So the idea here is, is to go through and set all the options that you want uh, for your compliance policy, all right, including passwords and all that. And once you've done that, you can then come to the action. Now this is really important to appreciate that out of the box compliance policies will take no action except marking the device as compliant or not. All right, so compliance policies are largely passive. They will just evaluate the machine against the settings you've asked for, you know, which version of the operating system is it jailbroken, for example. And then if it fails any of those, it will simply mark that as non-compliant. Now in the actions when we create the policy, we can actually add some additional actions here, like send an email to an end user and also add the device to the retire list. But generally, the one that you get by default is mark the device as non-compliant. So that's all it's gonna do. It's not gonna change any settings. It's not gonna reject the device. It's simply going to basically mark the device, all right? So let's just accept that. We go through now, obviously what we always need to do is we need to assign this to this policy as we always do in Intune to either users or groups. So again, we can select a group of users here or we can select all devices, all right? And we can go in there 
and uh, you know pick the group of security group that we've created and assign it to there. Once we've done that, we go to next. We get a nice uh, little summary here and we go in and create. So that's all that's required to go in and create a compliance policy. Now, what will happen is, is that compliance policy will now be pushed out to the devices. They'll be evaluated against that policy and report back to the console here. Now, we can obviously go back in and edit the policy. We can view its existing properties. We can make adjustments if we need to. But once the policy has been evaluated, you'll see in the monitoring section, you can look at the status and you can look at the individual items around that compliance. So in this case, if I go uh, back here, go back into my Windows device and have a look at um, you know, things like my compliance policies, I will see it there. I can have multiple policies target at different users, different uh, OSs and uh, so on. All right, so the idea here is you want a compliance policy set for each device in your environment. Now, once you've done that, what we can do is we can go in and have a look at all our devices again. All right, so what I'm gonna do is just navigate to a particular device here. And then what I'm going to do is select that device. And in this case, the device is showing up as non-compliant. So I wanna know why. So the idea is, is once I'm looking at the individual device, you'll see I get an overview, uh, the ability to retire, wipe, delete, and so on. But down on the left-hand side here, under the specific device, you'll find the option here, the menu option for device compliance. Now, if I select that, you'll see here, in this case, I have just the default device compliance policy and it's reporting as not compliant, nice red uh, warning there. So if I drill into that by clicking on it, you'll see here that the each device has applied to it a default device compliance policy. You can't set that, that is set by Intune. And basically what it is, is it has three options in there typically. One is that a compliance policy is assigned to the device and the user um, you know the user has to exist on that device and the last one here which is the one this particular device has failed on is the device remains in contact so the machine that i'm looking at here in my endpoint manager console currently hasn't checked back in or hasn't been offline for an extended period of time and thus is considered not compliant because it hasn't been uh, evaluated in the environment so again you get a default compliance uh, policy out of the box, which you can make no changes to. That just basically does a very, very basic assessment. Has the device got a user? Has it checked in? And so on. You can go in and create your own custom compliance policies. You can create as many as you want, but best practice is simply to create a policy for each operating system. So probably one for Windows 10, maybe one for Windows 11 as well, iOS and Android, set that, allow that to push out to all the devices then it will come back and give you the status, the compliance status of all your devices, and then you can go in and update them or fix them or do what needs to be done before you take any active action. So importantly, the big takeaway is compliance policies first because they will simply evaluate the environment and then they can be used in other areas to take actions and also gives you a to-do list of what you may need to uh, work through you know, in your uh, environment there. Now, as an example, one of the things that you can do uh, with compliance policies once they have uh, been evaluated is you can actually link them uh, into your conditional access policies, right? So 
what we can do is if we go in and find the option for conditional access, again, we need to have Azure AD P1 uh, basically to achieve this. So remember that comes with Business Premium. If we go in and create a policy in uh, our conditional access, one of the options that we do have, so we would normally go in and create our users, we would target our applications for this policy. You'll see that we can go in and uh, select our conditions. So user risk, uh, again, device platforms, we can target you know, different operating systems in there, uh, locations, the client apps, and so on. And then when we go down and have a look at uh, access control, you'll see that one of the options in that conditional access policy under access control grant is the option to require devices to be marked as compliant. All right, so what that means is that thanks to compliance policies, we can evaluate a device based on your criteria as to whether it's compliant. If it fails compliance, then that device can be blocked from accessing your data, well, data of the environment, using a conditional, linking it to the conditional access policy. So again, conditional access policy itself, uh, sorry, the compliance policy itself makes no changes, just evaluates the device, but you can use that evaluation in something active like conditional access to block a machine that isn't compliant. Now, this is really handy because what a lot of attackers are doing now is poning the user and then adding their own device as that user at Azure AD to perform their nefarious tasks in the background. So typically uh, having this set to require the device to be marked as compliant uh, is a really good option because it's going to help reduce the risk of, of you know, unknowns adding devices to your environment getting access to data. Now you also need to be a little bit careful with this policy because as you run up new machines, they're typically not compliant, they haven't got policies, uh, maybe they haven't got all the Windows updates, they may be blocked from accessing the network because you've got this uh, setting here with uh, the conditional access. So again, just be very careful uh, when it comes to new machines around you know, taking this very aggressive action of blocking machines that aren't compliant. It's certainly a best practice policy, but you may need to make some modifications or whatever, especially when new machines come online onto uh, the network. All right, so again, in summary, what we do is we go into our uh, devices. So you need to have machines that are Azure AD joined. You need to have an Intune license. Uh, once those machines are Azure AD joined, you can go into the uh, platform of choice, and then you can go in and create a compliance policy based on the criteria um, that you wish. So again, I go in, instead of going into Windows, let's go into say uh, iOS, just to give you an example, you'll see that there is a compliance policy option here again. I would go in as I did before with Windows, create a compliance policy for that operating system. So again, I'll give it a name that I can remember or does stand out. And then I would go in and you'll see here under things like device health, I can determine that a device I consider a device to not be compliant if it is jailbroken and then again remember as I said compliance policies will only report 
that situation back to the console, but you can use that status in things like conditional access and further reporting if you want to uh, do that. So hopefully that gives you a bit of a start. I find a lot of people struggle with getting off the mark with uh, Intune. Uh, remember, you'll need a license, obviously, but the first step I would suggest in your Intune journey is to create a compliance policy for every single operating system, iOS, Android, Windows 10, and probably Windows 11. You really don't need one more than one per operating system unless you're targeting specific users, i.g. management versus field staff. But generally, one policy per operating system. Set all that up, work out what you consider, what settings you consider are required for the device to be compliant. And by default, it will only mark those devices, won't make any changes to them. And then you can then start by evaluating whether your machines are compliant, updating them, improving them, uh, doing what's needed to make them all compliant. Then if you so choose, you can use the result from your compliance policy then to step into things like the configuration policies. You can then use it in conditional access, endpoint security, uh, basically, and so on. So lots and lots of options there for you once you get your uh, compliance policies up and running. All right, so with that, I think we've covered enough for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you've got some value out of it. Please visit my blog, blog.ciops.com, for the latest updates and information. Don't forget my GitHub, github.com forward slash director of CIA. Lots of scripts and handy little bits and pieces in there for you. YouTube, as I've mentioned, uh, look at my slide share as well for the latest copy of any slides, presentations I do. Uh, thank you very much, obviously, and don't forget to share information about this podcast with other people. I always like to try and encourage people to get the most out of it. And don't forget, finally, my CIOPS patron environment that if you want to support me and be part of a daily community focused on the Microsoft Cloud, you can do that. And as always, you can contact me on the Twitter at DirectorCIA and also via email, Director at CIAOps. After the fact, if you have had any feedback, comment or suggestions, more than welcome for you to send those through to me. All right, with that, thank you very much for listening to this episode. You have been listening to the Need to Know podcast from CIA Ops. For training on using technologies like SharePoint Online or Microsoft 365, visit www.ciaopsacademy.com. By purchasing from the selections available, you'll be directly supporting this podcast. To provide feedback on this episode, visit www.ciaops.com contact.